0: to the Shelf Life Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Cheyenne, and as always I am joined by everyone's favorite high school librarians, Anne. Go ahead and say hi. I am Anne. (laughs) (laughs) And Julie. Hi, happy to be here. And today we're going to be talking about the book Furious Hours by Casey Kep and some other stuff. So yeah, let's get right on in it.
1: Well, we we both read the book and I
0: read it first.
1: You did and you recommended it. Yeah. And I
2: always like the books that you recommend. Aww, um, you're so you've nice. got very good taste Thank in books. You. And um so and the cover looks amazing as well. So I'm I'm one of those people that does actually judge a book by its cover. I think cover art is really important. Um I wish I could show it to you but I can't. <laughs>
0: they it's... can Google it.
2: Okay. Yeah. It is cool. It's like, a... <laughs> you feel like you're in a forest, there's a lot of trees. Anyway. Um, but it looks kind of dark and menacing, which is nice. So, there... But, there,
1: but there's light shining through the trees. A little bit. Yeah.
2: Um, so the full title is Furious Hours, Murder, Fraud, and the Last Trial of Harper Lee. Which, Anne, why did you pick this book up?
1: Because... Harper Lee is in it. And when I read the description, it um, talked about how she wanted to cover a trial like she had um, with the In Cold Blood with Truman Capote. She was very involved in recording what was going on for that book. And um, so Harper Lee, I've always been intrigued with... she is as a person, and she was a very private person, so, you know, we all kind of know what Truman Capote was like, but she was was a really interesting person, and I've always been drawn to things that talk about her life, and why she only wrote one book, and that kind of thing. It just sounded really interesting, and as we all know, she never did, during her lifetime, publish another book, so I just thought it was it would be an interesting um, thing to learn about. Um,
2: Me as well. I mean, I am not as big a fan of To Kill a Mockingbird as as you are, but I loved In Cold Blood. So I I was really drawn to the idea of her covering um, this trial. I have to say, Casey Kep, who wrote, uh, who's the author of this book, did a, a really fantastic job in the beginning covering um, the case. And, and the case is really complicated. This Reverend Willie Maxwell. Um, basically, death seems to follow him. He, he opens up these insurance claims on, on members of his family. And um, surprisingly, th- three weeks <laughs> later, they, they turn up dead. And uh, nobody can quite pin anything on him because he's never around when it happens. But it's so they're not able to pursue him from a criminal standpoint, but they certainly are pursuing him for fraud, for insurance fraud. So it's really the insurance companies who are going after him. And um, one thing that Casey does really well, that was just it reminded me so much of Truman Capodian and in Cold Blood. She really delves into this small town community in Alabama where the action takes place. And you feel like you know these people. She uncovers all of these interesting tidbits about their culture and um, their their superstitions. Um, A lot of the people in the community felt that the reverend was somehow involved in voodoo. And they were actually terrified of him. Even after he was shot at the funeral in you know front of everybody, they still didn't want to talk to anybody about the murders and the insurance fraud, etc., because they felt that he would somehow come back and get them, which really was fascinating. So she did a great job unfolding in the first half of the book this whole amazing story that, that reads like fiction, I always find, like, like the best nonfiction are books where you're like, this can't actually have really happened. It's too strange to actually have happened. But it, it it did happen, and she did a great job talking about it. But you don't really hear about Harper Lee and her involvement in this case until the second half of the book.
0: And the case is the person who murders the minister, right?
2: That's the other thing. It's actually, it's, it's really complicated, and she does a good job delving into that, that, those complications. So the, the case that Harper Lee is actually covering is the case of the, the man who shot the reverend at the funeral of the person he was suspected of killing for their insurance money. So that's I I know it's it it is it is actually really complicated, but you know Harper Lee, and I think that's one of the things that the challenges that Harper Lee actually had: trying to get the facts straight, trying to get people on the record who were not comfortable talking about what happened because of whatever reason they thought you know perhaps he would come after them in a in a voodoo way um, in the afterlife. Or they had their own agendas, they weren't to be, she she interviewed a lot of people who were very excited to be interviewed by this famous author, and they embellished their stories so that they could get that attention. And she was smart enough to know it. So it it really kind of became a case of her trying to piece the facts together, not really knowing what stuff was factual, what might have been embellished or exaggerated, and how much she could infer into the case. And that's the big difference, I think, between her and Truma Capote. She wasn't comfortable with embellishing. She did not want to make anything up that she couldn't wasn't absolutely positively sure was factual and I think that was probably one of the the one main reasons why she was unable to actually complete the book which is just too bad because I bet it would have been an amazing book she had a title it was called the reverend which I think was a great title. And I just wish that, I mean, wouldn't it be cool if somebody actually found that draft? You figure, like, parts of it exist somewhere in that estate. It would be really neat to to read parts of
1: it. I think that um, the attorney and his family may have some drafts of pieces of it that she she mailed to them. they, They were very persistent in asking how is it coming you know when are you going to be finished and she sent them pieces that she had written well i think that
2: attorney (laughs) again there was a lot of self-interest he felt like he was going to be the star of the book kind of like in cold blood the you know the sheriff and in cold blood became kind of the star of that that book or atticus or he would be atticus exactly because he was a lawyer that makes sense and they were very friendly with each other and very encouraging and trying to make it possible for her to get the the job done but i mean i think the other problem she had was she didn't have a good editor who really could help her figure out how to tell a really complex story and structure the narrative in the right way because the, the editor that she had for to kill a mockingbird which you know, she has said herself, Harper Lee, that she probably never would have been able to finish that book or write that book without that editor's help. And the name es- escapes me who the editor was, but she was no longer living. So it's an interesting thing to think about what if she would be able to have if she would have been able to finish the book if she had had that
0: editor. That's a good point. And so I've heard you guys talk about this book a few times now. What's something about? I believe you guys were talking about the structure of it or something, because you guys are very interested in the plot, but how did it work as a whole, do you guys think? I felt that I
1: had the expectation of hearing hearing about Harper Lee's involvement much sooner. The first part of the book really deals with the case and all of the murders, Mm -hmm. and it's very... Complicated, so I wasn't sure where Harper Lee was going to come in, and she does. She comes in when the trial starts, and the whole I would say second half of the book deals with the trial and her trying to unwrap some of these things that were going on in this little town.
2: I agree with Anne that you, you know I was eager to hear of how Harper Lee was going to be involved, and I think that could have been fixed. I think if she she had had some kind of introduction at the beginning of the book that kind of mapped out how she was going to lay it out, that she was going to focus first on the trial and then bring Harper Lee in so that you weren't waiting to hear, you know, when Harper Lee got involved. That might have been a way to to, um, solve that problem. But overall, it is a very well-written book.
0: So would you guys recommend this to someone who either doesn't know anything about Harper Lee or who's just interested in true crime? Who would you guys recommend this book to? I
1: would say someone who is interested in history of the civil rights movement, um, the 1960s in the United States, and also people who are interested in true crime. Because it is, it's quite extraordinary how many people this reverend oft (laughs) in, in some very, you know, suspicious ways. Well, and I don't... I, I will. If, you, if, you, if you saw the story on Dateline, you would be like, oh my God, what, what's wrong with these police? It's so <laughs> well, obvious.
2: Well, you know, and if he hadn't gotten shot, you could say, he almost got away with it. <laughs> Actually, I think anybody would enjoy this book, and what I would hope... I, I don't think you have to have read To Kill a Mockingbird. I don't think you have to have read In Cold Blood, but when you finish this book you will want to read both of those books because I, I think it would, it would encourage people then to read the books that are mentioned in this book. So I think that's a good thing.
1: Okay. So we're going to shift gears a little bit and Julie moderates a book club called the Page Turners and a group of girls come uh, about once a month and they've all read a book or some of them haven't read a book and um, I'm a just moving the cat Um, (laughs) and they eat delicious treats that she brings but uh, this is a book that they selected for the coming book club meeting and it's the darkest part of the forest and I would say it's kind of a fantasy why why well yeah it's (laughs) why I'm sorry (laughs) yes Yes, it's (laughs) why Um, No, it's a YA book, and both of them read it, and both of them had some very interesting observations about it, and were quite critical of (laughs) Holly Black's work.
2: Yeah, and we we, we just want to thank you for listening us um, riff on this book, because obviously we're not going to do that at the page turner's meetings, because I'm sure that Actually, I can't wait to see what the girls news
1: will get out. The,
2: girl, the, the girls were so excited to read this book, and there was one one girl in particular who I think nominated it, who like loves this book. So obviously, we're going to get all of our potentially negative, negative yes. input out here, so we can be positive and gentle in the page turner or just quiet meeting
0: or just quiet. <laughs> Yeah, And Holly Black, um, she writes a lot of YA stories and this is in the same universe as her other ones and they're all about fairies and a whole world based on that. And this book in particular is about this girl in high school who, the place she lives in is like very full of they they know ex- fairies exist and they know about magic but they just kind of like pretend it's not there and they have like this deal going on even though there's It's just, it's a very weird book. (laughs) The actual plot is kind of hard to describe.
2: So, so so the town is called Fairfold, and the town is a, is a tourist destination because there is a glass coffin that has a fairy in it with pointed ears. It's a boy, and...
1: I would totally go there.
2: Right? And, and the tourists flock there because they want to actually kiss the coffin to see if they could wake the fairy boy, and they keep coming. Okay, first, in. <laughs>
1: unsanitary,
2: right? right? Meanwhile, the teenagers just use it as a place to party and get drunk and have you know fun with their friends.
0: Yeah, they use it's, the coffin as like a dance table, like very disrespectful, honestly. But it's it's weird. And that's just where they go out to hang out and drink is next to the boy in the coffin.
2: And and the two main characters, Hazel and Ben, are brother and sister. And Hazel's kind of, you know, like, what would you call her? Kind of a badass,
0: tough girl. Uh, Uh, Honestly, she doesn't have that much of a personality in the beginning. In the <laughs> I was trying to be nice. <laughs> I'm not sugarcoating this right now. Um, she's kind of like, she has friends and boys like her. She kisses a lot of boys and she, that's literally how the beginning of the book starts. And she just kind of have her own thing going on. But her, like, her best friend is her brother. And they both like when they were young. They both have this relationship built on like built on the boy in the coffin that they're he's their fairy prince, and they're they're both like in love with him, and because the the brother is gay, and they both have a thing for him. And so like there's a lot of history there, and but it doesn't really talk about much of what's going on in the in the town and all the magic until later on. So in the beginning, you think she's just this kind of bland girl who just likes to kiss boys, which is talked about a lot. Oh, but there was a lot of
2: kissing.
1: The, well, that's why the girls like it. Oh,
2: that's so, so Yeah,
1: yeah. I was like, ew! <laughs> she's kissing again? <laughs> I have a question. You mentioned that Holly Black writes books about fairies and this particular kind of environment. Um, is, is this part of a series or is this a standalone?
0: Um, I believe this one is the beginning of a new series. Oh God, there's going to be more. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) How do you really feel? So she has two other series that are in the same world and I've never read anything of hers, but she is like a big deal in YA. Like she is the fairy person. (laughs) <laughs> and so, but this book is the beginning of a new series, and I'm assuming it's connected. Like we, I'm assuming more of the story about the boy in the coffin is in some of the other ones.
2: Well, she wrote it in 2015, so she needs to get a you know busy. It's. You know, yeah. we're moving into twenty twenty. So
0: I'm I'm sure she has um other stuff because she she did start another series called The Cruel Prince and she's like on the third book of that already. Did this come out before The Cruel Prince? Possibly. Mm.
2: Confusing.
0: Yeah, it's a little confusing. I'm not the biggest
2: fantasy fan. I compare everything to Harry Potter and there is no comparison because nobody builds worlds like J.K. Rowling builds worlds. I mean, you're with her from the very beginning and you believe that that world exists. You don't doubt that there are flying owls that delivered the mail and that, you know... Owls fly anyways. Well, see? (laughs) And that's why it's believable. Why couldn't they Hold a letter and get it to the right person because they're smart. I totally agree. But she her stuff just seems to come out of nowhere. And maybe
1: you need to know more about fairy mythology.
2: I you know, I don't like her fairies. I I, th- I found I found them very very creepy. And the whole pointed ear thing, I wasn't I wasn't excited to meet Severin, which that's the name of the guy in the coffin. And I think Severin is way too close to Slytherin. But that's just me.
0: <laughs> and so about 100 pages into the book, we realize that Hazel, the main character, is losing time. And, like, she's waking up in her bed, and there's mud and stuff. And she's like, I don't know where I went. I don't remember any of this. It's all that drinking. Exactly. All that <laughs> underage drinking. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: Maybe somebody slipped something in your drink. <laughs> or, One of those boys you've been kissing,
1: <laughs> or well, or just the kissing was really, really good combined with the drinking. That could happen. You could yeah. wake up in your bed with muddy feet.
0: <laughs> so yeah, she's just confused all over the place, and her parents are. Her parents are not in the picture. Like they're yeah. Hipsy. Where are they? The hip- oh, they're hippies. They're, That's right. They're hippies. They've gotten better, but I guess like we find out later that like. They used to feed them out of the dog food bowl because they're like very eclectic and they're not model parents, and is is very weird. But um, it, it's not until about a hundred pages in that we realize that um, someone finally broke a glass coffin with a sword of some sort, and someone's leaving Hazel messages, and she's losing time. And then all of a sudden, they start bringing in that when she was younger, she used to hunt down fairies with her brother. Because her brother has a power with music, like he can, um, he he was gifted by a cursed or gifted by a fairy to have be able to control. Well, Hazel made music. a
2: deal with one of the fairies. He,
0: he had he had powers with music already, and then Hazel made a, when she was like eleven, she made a deal with a fairy because apparently that can happen still, even though she knows better, and so she <laughs> gave them seven years of her life and so they're taking it back yeah so like I guess they've been taking she's at night for like years she's been belonging to the fairy king and being one of his knights and which all this stuff sounds really cool and interesting but we don't hear about any of it until way later so in the very beginning you're like I don't like this main character she's not interesting and there's not even that many fairies come on cat (laughs) And and Louis, um Louis,
2: Louis the cat. How, how do you feel Louis about it? Louis the cat <laughs> says there's no cats in this book no. at all. Oh, so that's... it's a it's a loser.
0: No no cat yeah. pet. no pets no pets no. Oh
2: no yeah. actually there's no animals.
0: Yeah that is a little sad. Which is weird because they're all usually
1: Matry. Usually in the forest in the forest. Fairies, they should have some kind of creature friends, right? But they're afraid of them too. Probably. These are not nice
2: fairies.
0: They're at war with each other. Yeah, they're all of that is really in the back of what the main plot is. So I'm assuming it's talked about in her other series, but I'm not sure. (laughs) (laughs) And we don't want to spoil the
2: end, but I kind of felt that the end did get a little bit better.
0: Yeah, after a while, it like the actual plot did start to make more sense because I love a good adventure fantasy story, and Shit. like that she used to <laughs> hunt fairies is super cool, and that she made this deal and all this stuff. But again, by the time they even mention that, it's it's kind of already like, well, I didn't like her before, so I kind of don't want to like her now. And then everything happens so consecutively all at once in like the last two hundred pages and so by then you're just like this why was it written this way why wasn't it structured a different way to actually get you invested in the beginning
2: well like the the book furious hours i think it could have used a little editing help i think if she had rearranged the story a little bit it would have been it's i don't know if i would have liked it but i think it could have been a little bit better and it goes back to the in our first podcast, when I had my little meltdown about <laughs> Lee Bardugo, I can't even say her name. Bardugo. Bardugo.
1: Why can't I say that?
2: Bardugo. Because you don't. Bardugo. <laughs> Lee
1: Bardugo. The ninth you don't, house. You don't. pronounce things very I can't. well. Lee yeah. Bardugo.
2: Yeah. The ninth house. I had my meltdown about how much I disliked that book. And again. It, i I think I have to be a little invested in that main character. I didn't like her either they have it's not that you know we have to be best friends or anything but I do feel like I want to at least care about you and what your struggle is and what you're trying to accomplish in the book and I just didn't think Hazel was very interesting or likable
0: yeah and Honestly, I, if it was written in a different way, if, so, if we hadn't known about her interests, as, like all the stuff that happened to her as a kid in the beginning, I would have been a lot more invested and it would have been a lot more well-paced and interesting. But as it is now, it was kind of frustrating and it's kind of odd because we know this isn't her first book. It's part of a world she's already built up, but it reads kind of like she hasn't written a book before. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs>
2: And we're not going to tell the girls that on Tuesday. No, no. no. We're going to be... say, wow, those fairies and I'll all that, that kissing, that was fun. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody want a cookie? <laughs> right? Yes. You're with me. Sure. Okay. Okay. You're coming to this book club, by the way. Yeah, this will be Don't leave me high
1: and dry. <laughs> you should uh, set up some little coffin on that conference table.
2: <laughs> that would be really With a little...
1: With a little fairy if inside. I had,
2: if I had baking skills, this could be really cool. But oh, I, I might,
1: want. I might be be able to come up with something, you know, not as baked goods, but you know, as as a, just a little visual representation. A visual representation. Oh, maybe they can take, maybe they can take turns kissing it. Oh god! Oh. <laughs> um, it is flu season.
2: And there's, the, there's the coronavirus going around. so... I I think we... Scratch that. Scratch the (laughs) kiss.
0: But I am kind of interested in reading some of her other stuff still, but... You'll uh,
2: just have to let me know how that turns out, because she's on my off list. I'm not... I don't think I can go down that path again. I think I need to read um, Harry Potter just to be reminded of how good fantasy can be after reading that.
0: Yeah, that's a good palate cleanser.
2: I know. it. It, That's exactly what it is. (laughs) I, I could not have said that better. It's a palate cleanser. I have to get the taste out of my mouth of Severin in the coffin with his pointy ears. I don't have anything against pointy ears. It just, it was a little much.
1: Cheyenne and I were talking about, well, what would we talk about next? And maybe we want to talk about food in the library. Oh, that's a good one. To eat or
2: not to eat, that is the question. Well at our school it's all girls and our rough crowd is really those girls with a bag of Cheetos in the library. There's nothing worse.
0: (laughs)
1: Can you just just picture it? Orange fingers, brown books. And so that's our battle. That's where we're going with this is what do we do? One of the limitations about our campus is we we don't have a very large dining area so the girls do kind of have to disperse during their lunch break and there are plenty of really nice outdoor areas and there are some indoor areas but they are just very comfortable in the library. Well and when you're trying to study and get
2: work done yeah I, I mean I could totally see it but the problem is if they were really good about cleaning up after themselves it's tough because you know on the one hand you want them to Well, you know, feel welcome and be able to get their work done during lunch. And for some of them, that's a big time to get work done. But they don't clean up after themselves. It's
0: a mess. Yeah, and because they're teenagers, they they choose the weirdest spots to sit. So they're always hanging around, which is usually fine. But once you see them eating chips in the stack and semi-empty bottles of Starbucks, things like that, between the stacks, on the books. Because it's too far to walk to the multiple trash
2: cans located in the library. Might as well just shove it in between to kill a mockingbird (laughs) and in cold blood. There you go. And didn't we once have a rodent problem once at our school because of crumbs and whatnot? That that might be the way we handle it. We just go and say, you know, we have rats.
1: I tell them I actually tell them I see one right behind you. I tell them that. I tell them that and you get an alarmed look and then more munching. So (laughs)
0: like
2: we could do bat downs before they come in during lunch. bag checks. You can Can I see a
1: bag you can do that, Julie. Can you imagine? (laughs) No. No. And actually, how many times did you go and tell people to not eat in the library last week?
0: Oh last week? Four or five
2: time. I never do because I'm busy eating my lunch at my desk. <laughs> I can't <be> <laughs> And I no, so I, I feel kind of like a hypocrite if I'm like, "Um, excuse me, why I eat this great. Like, can you please put your food away?" Uh, but I can eat cuz I'm in charge. well,
1: so. <laughs> I am going to I am going to encourage you to go up and eat with other grown-ups. And I I did. Every single day, I cycled through at least three times a day and I told people to leave and I told people that they needed to clean up after themselves and and I said it in a very mean librarian way which is why you overheard something last summer which was
0: I think it was when they were bringing in some either like I think it was the current students were bringing freshmen around and they're like oh, the librarians are really strict, or something something along those lines. I can't quite remember. I remember
1: very well what they said. They said, we have two really nice (laughs) librarians and one mean one. Ooh, and I totally know which one is the mean one. It's not the young lady who people mistake for a student, or the other lady who is just—is he eating her lunch at her desk? (laughs) (laughs) Or or, um, you know, really does not like to discipline people. I don't. That's That's a a,
2: a, problem. Or pets
1: or children. Yeah. So um, I'm a
2: softie. Yeah, and and I, 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 I. And and teenagers are kind of scary. They give you that look. No, no, you know, like, what? I didn't have my phone out. What? And then I'm like, oh, okay, well, maybe you didn't. All right, go on. (laughs) No, no, no.
1: What I I do is I'll walk. I guess you're right. Okay, bye. I'll, I'll walk by them, and when I'm just a little bit past them, so that they think that they're out of you know danger for me noticing something that they're doing when I'm just maybe a few steps beyond where they are I'll say I don't want to see that put that away right now I don't want to see it basically their phone I will stop and talk to them if if they're eating and I do have a problem with full-on meals in there because it really stinks
0: mm, that's true
1: it you know so you have your in and out or your Panda Express or what, whatever it is that they're serving that day, mm-hmm. and it's just gross. And I really do feel for our maintenance guys because they work so hard and they they never complain. And that's the thing that I also think about when I'm when I'm going through. And signs don't work. We tried putting signs up: "No food, no drink." All over, and
2: people still did it.
1: The only thing that works is the mean librarian.
2: Yeah. I got to work on that. So right now, the way I'm doing it, is, you can you can let's, a... let's practice. Okay, so you guys are, <laughs> you guys are eating. Nom nom. So, okay, nom nom nom, and I come around the corner and I see you. Now you know you're not supposed to have food in the library. I'd really appreciate it if you put that away, or maybe go eat it outside. Okay. Um,
1: I really got to finish this paper. I'm um, really
0: hungry. I didn't have. Diabetes. I didn't.
1: I I didn't have ch- a chance to eat. At lunch, okay. Okay, we'll finish it really quickly because <laughs> hands around the corner. <laughs> Whoopsie. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, I, mean, yeah I, I get that. now. I and I start too nice to begin with. I should you just do. Be, put you that do. food away now. Like well, that.
1: Well, that's that's a little.
2: That's too, too much.
1: much. <laughs> I think just the really like straightforward, matter of fact, telling them so don't no, apologize. No, don't please. don't no please apologize. Or, okay. Well, you can say please, but you can say there's a difference between please, could you, and oh. please take that outside. That's how I do it. Oh I've See, followed, I followed and, your example. And Cheyenne, <laughs> Cheyenne is good. Because she worked in a public library, so she had to put up with a lot of weird stuff. So I think compared to the public library and the patrons there, would you say the girls are pretty...
0: um, Well, they wear pants and (laughs) (laughs) and they're not doing anything totally unseemly in the stacks and stuff, which is great. So it's a lot easier to say, Hey, please don't eat in here or put your phone away. But they don't listen as well as <laughs> the people in the public library. I don't have authority enough, I don't think. That's that's because you
1: can't call the police. That's true. <laughs> and get them if they're doing something unseemly which I have to say I have seen things I don't want to see. You know, they they are very comfortable and they're all they're draped over the we, chairs. We do have
2: a weapon which we never use.
0: I never use. The punching the,
2: nun? The, no.
1: No. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's a
2: good idea, punching that. No, I was, I was going to yeah. say demerit. No, no, but we don't I, have de- demerits. Have been, it's I've been detentions. there. detentions. 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 Is that what it's called? See, I don't even know what it's called. I've, I've been there eight years, and I think I've given out one, you called it a detention, one detention, Yeah. and it was the hardest thing I've ever done. And then the poor girl had to come back and apologize to me, and that's, that was just, and I was like, well, that's okay. <laughs> like,
1: no, that was, no, no. That was it's, really hard. It's okay for them.
2: Because she gave me attitude, remember? I, and you're the one who told I me you have well. to give her a detention, Julie. <laughs> you have to. Because I was like, did you just see the look she gave me? Yeah. Like, I told her not to do something, and she walked by and she did this whole like face thing, like, Ugh. and that's what got me. I was like, oh no. <laughs> no, no, no. You didn't just do that. And so I didn't approach her. I just said to Ann, did you just see
1: that? That girl just dissed me. And she
2: did. She was like, uh huh. That's when I lost it. I was like, "That was rude." She was rude, rude, rude.
1: And you have to call them on it when they do stuff like that. You and I do. And I didn't and you, even know how
2: to have her fill it out. That was you, the embarrassing thing. I was you, like, "Sign your name." And she was like, <laughs> "She was like, um, you have to sign it." And I'm like, "Oh well, give it to me then." <laughs> I, didn't
1: even, I didn't even know how to fill it out. It was so awkward. No, I. Oh, it was so awkward. <laughs> I I have to say, you brought up. Uh, The Punching Nun, which I use to discipline my dog. And how well is that going? It actually works really well. But if I did it at our school, I would get a whole other reputation. (laughs) Okay, well.
2: We'll have to solve that one another day. I'm going to work on my disciplinary
1: skills. Just eat upstairs. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you. I will. You, you like to socialize. You should do what?
2: that. Yeah. yeah, I do, actually. That's the problem. I'll never come back down. I'll be like, oh, my God, I've been gone an hour. No, we
1: see. It's, it's okay. It's okay. They, they'll leave before you do. Probably. I'll
2: you. <laughs> I'm going to the, the shut the room down. Shut the room down. Shutting the club, the workroom.
0: Yeah. <laughs> okay, so that's all for now. Make sure to return next time for our episode number three. And don't forget to return your books.